How would you feel if the stock market were down 30% and you had to sell stock to fund your income? Peak Wealth Management proudly presents Finding True Wealth with certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot. Nick and Jim believe by making simple, good financial decisions, you can retire with confidence. And now, let's turn it over to your hosts, Nick and Jim. Welcome. Welcome, everyone, to Episode 80 of the Retire with Confidence podcast. I'm Nick Hopwood, uh, founder and president of Peak Wealth Management, and I'll be speaking with special guest Cheryl O'Connor today. Cheryl is co-founder and CEO of Income Conductor. And Income Conductor is a software program which helps advisors, helps us manage income and risk during the distribution phase of your life. In other words, your retirement income phase of your life. And really, I feel like Income Conductor is more than just a software program. It's more like a philosophy. And as you hear from Cheryl, I think you'll understand why. Okay, Cheryl, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Nick. So, Cheryl, um, with Income Conductor, I want to just understand your background and what led you uh, to, to work with this philosophy, the strategy. But, you know, how did you get to this place in your career? Yeah, so I opened up a asset management firm with my husband and a partner in 2006. Um, they were on the investment side of the firm as uh, strategists and asset managers. My job was to develop practice solutions for advisors so they could more quickly grow their business, outsource not just their portfolio management, but also their back office. So I developed a TAMP, a very you know high touch, white glove level service TAMP. And in working with advisors across the country on the TAMP, I came to meet a gentleman named Phil Lubinsky out in Denver, who was heading up a very large multi-office OSJ for Invest Financial under NPH at the time. And he and his advisors were using a very um, explicit distribution strategy that Phil had developed back in the 1980s called time segmentation. So he was actually the first one to come out with the idea of segmenting assets and distributing from different buckets um, across retirement. Um, so I got to know him and uh, we became friends. He had formally teamed up with a couple of technology firms to develop proposal systems based on his distribution strategy, but had always dreamed of developing sort of a full suite of tools that would help the advisor not just create a proposal, but then very efficiently and compliantly manage that plan over you know, the 20 to 40 years of retirement. So he asked me if I would be willing to partner with him to develop this software. He was in the process of getting his firm ready to transition to his his partner and he wasn't ready to retire. So we teamed up and we did a gap analysis of what was missing out there in the industry from a retirement distribution side not just from the strategy standpoint, but what were the pain points for advisors? 
and we had a list of things we had come to understand. But then we also interviewed advisors and said, you know, what do you hate about your <laughs> current financial planning software? What would you like to see? What would make your life easier? Um, so we took those requirements and we hired a development team and we developed Income Conductor. Wow, well, that's a great story. Yeah, you know, it makes me wonder, Phil Lebinski as an advisor in Colorado, right? I wonder if he built into his own financial plan the second career. <laughs> he probably did because he's been thinking about it for a long time. Yeah, well now, you know, the software and the technology is is great, so maybe, you know, maybe the the second career is the perfect timing for him to do something like that. So uh, I want to get into this, the time segmentation and the buckets and the software that you developed. But before we do that, let's talk for a minute about what, what what's the traditional strategy with financial planning and with within our industry, right? What what is the base plan that most people are on? Yeah, so I think traditionally there have been three approaches to distribution. Um, when you say you know, distribution, can you can you elaborate? What does that mean for? Our so listeners? that's basically, you know, coming to a point where you need to define income over a longer period of time. Um, you know, m- pretty much what people do when they're nearing retirement, but it can be applied to other paradigms. It could be applied to the need to define income for a special needs child or for a foundation or, you know, an endowment situation where you need to have an income stream across a longer period of time. Um, So there have traditionally been three ways of doing that. Um, You know, one of them is full annuitization, where you just take your retirement savings or your, you know, bucket of assets and you purchase a guaranteed product that's going to ensure a specific income stream year to year to year um, until, you know, whenever. Um, So that kind of approach is really kind of passe at this point. Now, you know, nobody's going to take all of their savings in retirement and just invest in a single product. A lot of people can't even afford to do that, much less want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the second approach, which you know has been around for quite a while, is systematic withdrawal. And that was basically, you know, in our parents' generation when they had pensions and Social Security and savings, they would say, okay, my pension and my Social Security are going to cover all of my non-discretionary expenses and maybe even some of my discretionary expenses. So I'm going to take my liquid savings and put them into some kind of a risk-based account, usually very traditional a lot of times, you know, basically bonds. And if I need to tap into that, I will. But most of, you know, our parents' generation and even the generation before, that money was kind of pegged for wealth transfer. So people didn't need to rely on that in order to pay their bills. So it worked It worked quite well. You now, know, when they, I, Cheryl, when I think about systematic withdrawal, Right. I think about those people that you just mentioned that have their social, maybe uh, two nice social securities, mm-hmm. maybe pension, and that does cover the bills. But 
you know, for the vacation, for the new roof, for the new furnace, for the healthcare, um, extra costs, they won't tap into the portfolio. Maybe they take, uh, maybe they take more risk than just bonds, right? In our world, right, we see people, you know, a lot of people have balanced risk, you know, that classic 60-40. Right. And they, they'll take a withdrawal each month from that portfolio. That's what I think of with systematic withdrawal. Right. And, you know, at a certain point, there was work done to say, um, what is kind of a safe withdrawal rate? Yes. So so work in the 90s was done and they kind of came up with around a 4% safe withdrawal rate by looking at, you know, what was the safest so that you wouldn't run out of money over kind of a 30 year period. And so that 4% rule still has a grip on the industry. People, you know, argue about that. Is it 4%? Is it 3%? You know, can I take more? And, you know, that's kind of tested out with Monte Carlo simulations. Um, so a lot of the financial planning software that's available to advisors still use that kind of technique. Um, you know, saying what is a probability of success versus yeah. an actual plan. So a lot of them do a good job on, you know, identifying the cash flow needs. Um, so you can uh, specifically customize for a client what their cash flow needs are. But when, you know, at the end of the day, the client walks out the door with some sort of a probability number. Right. Whether they feel comfortable with that or not is probably a, a situation from person to person. But from what we've seen, um, people, you know, who are facing longer periods in retirement right now, we're talking 30, 40, even 50 years with longevity, are very concerned about just getting that probability. They want more confidence in, um, you know, their savings to carry them through retirement through essentially death. Well, hey, if you have a probability of success of 100, you can't get any higher than that. <laughs> yeah, well, nobody's going to give you that that probability. I mean, you may have in the high 90s, but, you know, it's never going to reach 100% because there are unforeseen things that, you know, obviously you can't plan for. So there are always going to be, you know, the and the, and the main concerns right now, of course, are inflation and health and long-term care expenses. So that's another thing where, you know, Moody's Analytics did a um, review on the, the uh, Monte Carlo simulations that are used, the, the engines that are used in a lot of financial planning tools. And they found that they work well in accumulation, but they don't work as well addressing the risks in decumulation. So I think this is where a lot of advisors kind of um, are a little bit in the dark as far as what what differences do you need to face or what different risks do you need to face in decumulation that you don't face in uh, the, the working phase of your life while you're accumulating and obviously spending, but you still have that power to um, to you know, go to work and produce more income through market cycles. In decumulation, not only do you not have that ability to go back to work, but you also have the risks of things that you don't face, like, you know, uh, 
critical health issues, long-term care events, um, the impact of different inflationary periods on your income throughout, you know, 30, 40 years of retirement. You know, when you think about accumulation, right, we always preach to our clients and the industry preaches uh, dollar cost averaging. So if you're adding mm -hmm. into your 401k through each paycheck or to your Roth IRA each month, you know, you're systematically purchasing instead of systematically withdrawals. But uh, your dollar cost averaging, you have a market dip like we're seeing right now, right? Mm -hmm. you're, you're buying on, on the dip, right? So that's the accumulation phase and that's a good thing, right? Yep. Yeah, in fact, it works in your favor, right? So when the market's down, people shouldn't be selling, they should be investing more, they should be buying um, because that's a good thing. Now, what we call sequence of returns risk is the largest risk in retirement. And that has to do with the fact that you have to keep paying your bills. So even when the market is down, you're not investing at that point. You're actually distributing out of that depressed portfolio. So, so like, right now, like right now, the S&P is down 30% from the recent high. And now I need to take my monthly paycheck from my portfolio. Right. That's yeah, you can't you can't stop paying your mortgage or your rent or buying food. Um, so this is a problem, you know, and and it's not talked about very much. I mean, this is what drives that nervous, panicky behavior of retirees um, when they say, you know, I keep distributing my my portfolio is down by 30, 40%, but I keep taking money out of that. So sequence of returns risk has to do with the fact that you can't stop that distribution cycle. You may be able to cut back a little bit, but there's gonna come a point where you start to damage your principal. And even if the market goes back up, you're never going to recover from that event. You know, speaking of sequence of returns risk, um, my mother retired in October of 2007. And mm -hmm. I remember it so vividly because we had a one month old and I remember talking with her about her retirement and holding the baby, you know, I can picture that in my head. And that was the all time high in the market. And she made that, you know, we did all the financial planning work and we felt like we had a bulletproof plan. And then the market, went down 59% from that day until March of 09. And it was very scary, right? Because like you said, she's not going, maybe she could have gone back to work, but the plan was not to go back to work. Plan was at age 57 to draw down the portfolio until social security started. And then there'd be less pressure on the portfolio. But talk about unlucky sequence of returns risk. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not only going through these cycles during retirement, it's the timing of retirement, like you say. So yeah. we, we all remember stories in 2008 of people saying, you know, they saw their 401ks go down by 50% and people who had made that decision to retire tried to, you know, turn that decision around. Some were not able to. Um, like your mom, you know, they, it was just really bad timing at that point. So I, I, the thing that 
um, our strategy, time segmentation, allows the advisor to do is to start creating that plan early. And what Phil used to do with hundreds of his clients, he focused on working with retirees his whole life. So he worked with retirees starting, you know, um, probably about 15, 10 years prior to retirement. He would start talking about setting up the plan and not only creating this plan, but positioning the assets um, in sort of what he called the um, preparing the plane for landing. He wrote a nice article and it's a great analogy, right? Yeah. So when you're up in a plane and you're nearing the airport, what happens? You know, the, the pilot starts to make adjustments. They start to lower the wheels. They start to, you know, change the engine speed. They start to change the direction. They've got their descent. So nothing just happens automatically. You have to prepare for it. And this kind of, since you have a plan and you know exactly what your income needs are year to year, especially at the beginning of retirement, and you know what you need for, say, the first five years of retirement, you can start preparing for that 10, five years out from retirement by putting that money aside into something like a stable value fund something very, very conservatively invested. So were there to be a market downturn event in those five years prior to retirement, you've got that money for the first five years of retirement protected and off to the side. Boy, that sounds pretty good in a market that we're experiencing right now. Exactly. So, I mean, that's that's the power of this. Not only are you able to create a plan that gives the client the the confidence to retire and know they won't run out of money, that plan allows you to start preparing the uh, initial investments of that plan early on. So put them aside, protect them from any market downturn, you know, either put them into a stable value or if you have that money ready, you could even invest it into like a SPIA or something like that. So that when you retire, you've got that first five, six years locked in of income and you can weather through any kind of market events because you know, even a 10-year period is going to protect you from any kind of market downturns. So traditionally, we think of the ROI. What's our return on investment? Mm -hmm. But, you know, in times like this, this month, which has been the quickest period to a bear market in the history of the market, people start to think about uh, return of my money instead of return on <laughs> Exactly. But, but, uh, but the other ROI that you guys coined, which I like, is the reliability of income as mm -hmm. ROI. And I know that if I have a year in cash right now, I know that the reliability of my income is 100%, right? Because mm -hmm. cash is, uh, is perfectly safe. Um, but, but if I don't have that set aside, right, then I'm gonna be a forced seller, right? Mm -hmm. And now my reliability of income in the future is put at risk by having right. to sell down uh, equity at, at low prices right now. So right. what, you know, I, I imagine that the mindset, right, and, you know, I'm kind of rhetorical. I, I imagine the mindset of someone who has that cash 
right, is able to weather out a bear market storm like we're starting to see here a little bit easier because they know that they have that reliability of income. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's the focus. But it's it's a really hard thing in a market like we've been experiencing for some clients and even more so for some advisors to take that more conservative approach. Right. It's really hard when we talk to advisors about the strategy. Um, some advisors come back and say, you know what, the market's been doing so well. I, I really can't justify putting, you know, three, four or five years of of money, uh, you know, my client's assets into a cash product, even, you know, a money market product that's going to deliver a little bit of return. Um, so it's not just the client. It's also the advisor who has a hard time getting their mind around that. But the point is that when we do get to these events, then all of a sudden everybody's thankful. <laughs> We've been getting a lot of emails from advisors saying, I am so happy that my clients are in this strategy. I've not gotten the panic calls that I typically would have gotten, you know, in a 2008. They feel very confident. You know, Phil has a great story. Uh, he had hundreds of these clients in this strategy in 2009. He had uh, one of his largest client meetings. He had about 300 clients show up, which was unusual. And he started the meeting by saying, this is the time when I'm most proudest of my strategy. And he asked them, you know, who didn't receive their their paycheck this month? Nobody raised their hand. Who didn't receive their paycheck last month? Nobody raised their hand. And he said, you know, you're going to continue to receive your paycheck. And those assets that are invested to be used later in retirement that have seen a downturn because they're invested in higher equity uh, portfolios. By the time you need those assets for income, they will have recovered and flourished and they'll be fine. I love it. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right because in a recession, right, in a bear market recession, you know, the drawdown on the market is unknown. You know, it, mm -hmm. I think the average is... Uh, 30 some percent on average and the average recovery, right, is, uh, you know, two, three years, something like that. So you, you're right. It will be back. I mean, it will be back. That's what history tells us. Exactly. And the fact that you don't have to take income out of those depressed portfolios gives the client a lot of peace of mind. And so he didn't have anybody get out of the market. And this is what we've been hearing from our advisors right now. Now, when we built the system, we wanted to even expand the ability to protect that later income. So going back to that reliability of income, um, you, you shouldn't be taking any more risk than you need to take, even with that later money. Uh, this is what's going on, you know, with the research, Robert Merton at MIT, the research that's going on in Europe saying, let's treat retirement income uh, like a like it is a pension. So if you think of what a pension fund does, it outlines its liabilities, right? It assesses its risks. And then along the way, there's constant checking to say in in markets that are 
you know, doing really, really well, like we've been experiencing, you're always kind of de-risking, right, along the way. You're saying, let's not take any more risk. If we've achieved a level of performance, then let's pull risk off the table. And that's what Income Conductor does. So the system is always monitoring every single segment, and it's alerting the advisors of those opportunities to take risk off the table. Not because you've got a crystal ball and you're saying, you know, I think the market's gonna have a downturn next quarter. Um, and not because you're on some sort of a predetermined target date morphing schedule, right? It's because you've almost achieved your goal or you've achieved your goal already. So if you've locked that income in for your client, and you're able to take risk off the table and assure that reliability of income, even if you're two, three years prior to needing those assets for income, why not grab that opportunity when it arises? I like it. So Cheryl, let's talk about the negatives, right? Mm -hmm. what, you know, what it seems to me that an easy hole that you could point in this type of system is a year like 2019 when the market was, was racing, Stocks and bonds did well, right? If you're holding a large chunk of cash, right? That's earning very little, right? You're gonna trail, right? Well, I think the fact that you set up the plan to meet, it's all liability driven. So, you know, this is what advisors, I think their main uh, value is to their client is to create a good solid plan for them invest those assets appropriately, only taking the amount of risk the client needs based on the liability that they've identified, and then to keep reminding them that it is the reliability of income because, you know, people are human beings. So that kind of greed takes over, right? So if you're hearing your neighbor say, hey, I just got a 20% return last quarter, you know, we're, we're doing this and that with my advisor, you have to kind of bring your client back to the fact that that's not the important thing here. The important thing is making sure that they'll have a reliable income paycheck, retirement paycheck, and not that they're beating the market every quarter. So let's go back to that plan. And that's, that's really the core of this strategy is having a customized plan that you can pull the client back to versus a probability of success. So, you know, that client with the probability, which is sort of a meaningless number, it, it really doesn't okay, make sense. I like, them, use, right? I like to use probability of success myself, so let's, let's not throw it under the bus so quick. <laughs> well, I mean, here's a situation. So if the client comes to you and you say, you know, you run a plan for them and you say you've got a 90% probability of success, congratulations. What goes on in that client's mind is that they have a 10% chance of going completely broke, right? Mm -hmm. So now, even if that doesn't bother them, if they're willing to take those odds, now the market goes down and they come back in and you rerun those <clears throat> simulations. And now they've got an 80% chance of success. 
All right. What does that mean? Now they have a 20% chance of going broke, right? Mm -hmm. So it does, can you really quantify that in relationship to their income? When is their income going to run out in that scenario, that 30 to 80, uh, that 90 to 80% difference? When is, when are their assets going to run out? When do they need to start cutting back? When do they need to start uh, readjusting their portfolios to make up for that uh, loss of probability, right, of success? So that's what I mean when it's actually meaningless. You can't put it into terms of dollars and cents. You can't give them an actual time when this is going to actually impact their income. Whereas with Income Conductor, when you run those scenarios, you can actually see when the income will run out, what the shortfall amount is, and then you can deal with an actual dollar figure versus a probability change. I like to use both. You know, I think that both of them are, are helpful. Um, so does it make sense to use both in combination? Yeah, and we've been asked that, like, um, you know, Monte Carlo is is a very good tool. We're not saying that it isn't, but when you look at how the time-segmented strategy is actually developed and tested, it doesn't apply to the portfolio as a whole, but it can very well be applied to the segments individually. So if you're looking at running, you know, the probability of success of a certain portfolio held over a certain period of time related to a certain required rate of return, that's valuable data. Mm -hmm. But when you're looking at the whole, the entire plan as a whole entity, that probability of success is not what's going to give your client the peace of mind. Um, we had a situation with an advisor uh, who was in trial with the software and he was running, uh, he was testing the software with a particular client. Now, this client was in a pretty good position. She had saved about $3 million. She was single single woman, um, and she was absolutely sure that she could get $150,000 a year inflation-proof throughout retirement if she retired today. And he ran the simulations and came out with a very low probability of success um, and told her that, you know, you're not going to be able to sustain this $150,000 throughout retirement. She did not believe him. And he said, but, but this is math. Math doesn't lie. And she said, I'm sorry, but I just don't believe you. So then he brought in Income Conductor and he ran her a plan where if she just had that 150000 sustained with, you know, a 3% inflationary increase across the plan, which has problems anyway from a, you know, yeah. risk standpoint. I imagine if you're starting with a 5% withdrawal with 3% inflation, that's a tough probability. Yeah. Exactly. So he showed her a plan where it, it had a shortfall of a specific number. It showed her exactly where she was going to run out of money. She saw that on paper and she said, okay, 
now I understand. This makes sense to me. What can we do about it? So then he went back and he said, well, let's look at your actual cash flow needs. You know, the fact that 150000 you may not need that, you know, in the slow go years. So he went back and, and found what her goals were individually. He re-entered the plan at the expense level where she had some expenses like travel that were dropping off after a certain amount of time. They worked on the plan. They got it to where she felt really comfortable and it was a successful plan. So he ended up, you know, being a true believer because, you know, the, the, the math, you can run the math all day, but if you can't manage the client's expectations and behavior throughout retirement, then you're really working against yourself as an advisor, right? So this is, this. think of this as uh, client management as much as a strategy to use. Because a lot of a lot of advisors get very frustrated because they're very analytical. The numbers show one thing and their clients are walking out the door very unhappy and looking for another advisor. Mm -hmm. Right. We just had an instance with uh, one of our advisors out in Los Angeles who stole a two million dollar account from another advisor. This guy was an engineer. So talk about somebody who understands math. And his his former advisor was telling him, you know, you're OK, you've got plenty of money. Don't worry. Here's your probability of success. You know, you're going to be fine. And the engineer said, I'm not happy with that. I want to see a plan like this, you know, income conductor advisor gave him. And most of all, I want to be sure, absolutely sure that were I to die before my wife, that my wife is going to be in a good place. Mm -hmm. And probabilities don't give people that assurance. Uh, one more question for you. Uh, you mentioned, you alluded to slow go years. Mm -hmm. we, all know, we all know that younger retirees are much more active in their go-go years. And then at a certain point, we have slow go years. And then at another point, no go years. And probably people spend less as they age, okay, except for on healthcare. But in the traditional financial planning software, it's very difficult to model that future spending. Mm -hmm. So what do you tell people as to modeling these types of uh, spending trends? So one of the things that, you know, as advisors ourselves, we just didn't want to create technology, give somebody a login and say good luck. We created a whole platform of support and we bring in all of the current, you know, research uh, from the American College, from David Blanchett, from, you know, Wade Fow, and we apply that into a whole training curriculum. So we make sure our advisors are sort of armed for bear. They know exactly what the trends are and what, how they should be approaching the planning with their client. So one of the things that, you know, a lot of the research has found is that spending behavior does, is not linear. 
you right. know, it doesn't go along with that kind of 3%, 4% withdrawal rate throughout retirement. It varies a lot. So Michael Finca has done a lot of research and he calls it a U-shaped spending curve. So you're absolutely right. At the beginning of retirement, it's very front end loaded because people are active. They want to, you know, take their grandchildren to Disney World. They want to do those bucket list items while they're still healthy. And then they start to slow down. They stay home more. But then, so that's the bottom of the U, but then as they age, their expenses go up, and you're absolutely right, it's mostly because of health and long-term care expenses. So we try to give our advisors a very comprehensive fact finder that is related to the risks in retirement, all the information they need to collect about the client in retirement, but then also give them training on how to you know create the best kind of plan for today's retiree with looking at that u-shaped spending curve and taking all those risks into consideration and then we do a monthly webinar for our advisors where we often have people come in who are experts in retirement related areas like medicare long-term care planning um, we had somebody come in and talk about dealing with clients with dementia um, last year, we've had the folks from the MIT Age Lab come in, talk about the 8,000 days in retirement, what they've found, you know, the impacts are. So it's a, it's a whole different world uh, dealing with distribution versus accumulation, and we try to equip our advisors with all that kind of information and then give them the one-on-one -on -one case support they need to really make them feel comfortable with the strategy we find that if we help them work through their first few cases, then they're kind of off on their own and they feel very confident, but knowing that they can always come back to us if they have questions or a particularly you know, complex case that they want to run by us. Fantastic. Well, uh, Cheryl, I'm happy to have you on my team and right as one of our, uh, on our very deep bench that we have here, have resources to, to tap into. It's been a pleasure of speaking with you, Cheryl, CEO and co-founder of Income Conductor. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. You've been listening to certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot on the Finding True Wealth podcast, sponsored by Peak Wealth Management. You can learn more about Peak Wealth Management by visiting peakwm.com or follow on Twitter at nhopwood1.